Hi, horses. I'm here with Jessica Penn to discuss clitoral anatomy and uh, I guess the controversies that arise when trying to discuss clitoral anatomy. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming. Uh, do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, so I'm Jessica Penn, and I am an advocate for better inclusion of clitoral anatomy in medical literature and curricula. I have gotten 12 major medical textbooks changed, as well as consent forms, board certification exams, anatomy apps, anatomy posters, and a few other medical resources for doctors. Uh, okay, I have a. I see on Twitter you're very um, embattled. Lately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had a. I had something I wanted to read to you. Okay. To ask you about. On June twenty second, sixteen thirty three. Galileo was shown the instruments of torture by the Inquisition and threatened with their use unless he recanted his expressed view that the earth revolved around the sun instead of the other way around. And he did. He recanted. He spent the rest of his life under house arrest. So my first question to you is how far are you willing to take this? Uh, what do you mean? How far am I willing to take what? What you're doing. You're, um... I'm sort of towards the end. You know, like, I did just apply to business school, and I'm, you know, looking at ways to move on with my life. Um, really? Yeah, I did just apply for a nonprofit. So what I want to do is I want to build a nonprofit to continue some of the work that I've been doing and, you know, hand it off. That would be my goal, I think, because, you know, when I started this, I just wanted to, you know, basically I needed some justice for myself after I was harmed. Yeah. So, you know, I have changed medical resources as a way to get surgeons operating on vulvas better educated. Um, I also wanted to get misinformation removed um, because I personally was misled into seeking surgery by false information published by doctors. Um, so I've tried to get false claims um, taken down from websites and, you know, out of at least like the section name for a major plastic surgery journal and um, out of textbooks. But, you know, at some point I have to say, okay, like I've done enough um, because I haven't been paid. So, you know, I kind of just can't afford to do this forever. <laughs> yeah. Um, my sense is that you're getting a lot of hate from both kind of political sides. Yeah. I mean, I think that, so when I first started advocating online, I got pushback because people, you know, thought that I was wrong, right? So the most followed OBGYN on social media said that I was incorrect and that Who? I had, uh Jen Gunter. She said that my article explaining that the innervation of the clitoris was missing from OBGYN literature. Um, she said that article was an incomplete and poorly researched piece. And she said she disagreed with me on the state of medical textbooks. 
Okay. Um, and, you know, as a victim of basically medical female genital mutilation, it was very difficult for me to deal with, you know, the sort of dismissal and denial that I got in the face of presenting really basic facts. Like anatomy is really basic science. It's really easy. One thing I say is that the clitoris is so easy to dissect. A fourth grader could do it. The nerves that were... <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm not saying say, that's appropriate. You shouldn't, you shouldn't say that. Right, right. So this is how I get into trouble because people will call me, people will say I'm a pedophile for that or something, you know. Yeah. But what I mean is that it's technically very easy. Um, you know, people need to ask why someone with no medical training was able to dissect anatomy that surgeons who operate on real women uh, somehow didn't dissect. You know, um, mm -hmm. like when I first emailed the author of a vulvar anatomy chapter in the top OBGYN surgery textbook. Um, she told me that she was interested in this topic as well, as she had previously published a study on the branches of the pudendal nerve. The pudendal nerve, um, so the dorsal nerve, which is the nerve in the clitoris, is a branch of the pudendal nerve. Why don't you nerve. just get the thing out? Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, so here, well, actually, maybe, yeah, I have two models now. Oh, I just dropped the vagina. Um, <laughs> this had I a little... when that time. happens. <laughs> it's almost, yeah. Okay, anyway, um, so these are the dorsal nerves, and this was created by a, I think he's a biologist in um, Switzerland, and he has been really helpful in advocating for the clitoris. He had this made, and he sent it to me for free, which is super nice of him. Um, uh, just so I can situate us, this is if the woman were standing facing us and that part in the front of the beak would be uh, the external part, right? And then the rest of it is all inside. Oh, no. Now it's now were, it's if she's standing up. Yeah, if she's standing up, it's like this. Okay, okay. That's lying down. Okay. okay. And honestly, I don't exactly agree with all these dimensions, but it's a, I like this model, you know, it's, uh, it's like the only official medical model that's been created that shows the dorsal nerves, um, in the clitoris. In my study, uh, these were 3.2 millimeters in diameter right here. So okay. like, that's pretty big. <laughs> and then they were, you know, for a nerve. Yeah. I mean, well, so I, I don't know that much about the size of nerves. I have not dissected nerves. Um, okay. It just, seem, know, just seems big. I mean, they're plenty big enough to dissect. Yeah. Um, you know, I did biomedical engineering in college, and uh, we were all required to dissect nerves from frogs, and they were smaller than these. And so, like, you know, <laughs> they threw us in a lab and just expected us as a bunch of nerdy engineers to dissect those nerves so so you'd think that that there would it would be required that you know about they're big enough that people should know about them is what you're saying yeah it's not hard to yeah. find them not hard to, you know i feel like you know the way that these nerves have been ignored it really parallels the joke that you know people can't find the clitoris even though it's objectively not actually difficult to find um but basically, the dorsal nerve is a branch of the pudendal nerve. And so this expert in female 
um, pelvic and reconstructive surgery, uh, she's like the expert. I think she's actually in charge of the subspecialty at the American Board of OBGYN. She teaches female pelvic medicine reconstructive surgery. She writes at least two vulvar anatomy chapters. She's a big deal. And when I emailed her, she said she didn't know if she had room to include these nerves and they weren't included in the first draft. And she said that the problem was they were very thin and difficult to dissect. And in her study of the branches of the pudendal nerve, she only described the course of the dorsal nerve leading up to the clitoris and not in the clitoris itself. Yeah, and she claimed they get too small and difficult to dissect. But she's... Which is just not not true. Okay. When I was dissecting with my dad, I was actually surprised how big the nerves were. Because Your dad is a plastic afraid. surgeon, and and you, and you he to help you get a, pub, a study published, you dissected ten clitorises with him, or twelve total. Yeah, twelve. Okay. Yeah, some people are saying that my dad purchased cadavers so that I could diddle the cadavers because I'm a necrophiliac, which is you know crazy. Actually, what I did is I emailed um, dozens, at least. I, maybe even hundreds of OBGYNs trying to get them to do a study. And the problem was that I just, you know, I realized a study would help, especially with so many doctors believing that these nerves were tiny and using that as an excuse to not include them. You know, like in Gray's neuroanatomy, they go over the course of the dorsal nerves in the penis. And then when they get to the dorsal nerves in the clitoris, they just say they are very small. And that's all they think needs to be said. <laughs> Insignificant. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Can we zoom out for a second? Yeah. Your your Twitter. I want to talk about your Twitter for a second. Um, so on Twitter, people will say things. There, people are passive aggressive on Twitter. Mm-hmm. They'll say things like, and then they usually form their criticisms as questions. They're like, why are the Republic? Oh, if Republicans care so much about children's lives, then why are they doing it? Why about what about the, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, they, okay. You have a lot of tweets. Okay. An hour ago, you said, why are people more offended by me explaining how some vulvas are more obviously female than others? But I think you're actually genuinely asking. Oh yeah, I am. Yeah, I yeah. You seem you seem yeah. genuinely like confused by the vitriol that you receive. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense that people are so much more offended by me when they've been happy to look the other way and not get mad at all about surgeons actually misinforming in order to shame women into risky cosmetic surgeries. Uh, does, you're talking, you're talking about if you sense. have like large uh, labia minora. Yeah. Or just, I mean, they say, they say all labia minora that protrudes yeah. actually. So the definition of labia minora hypertrophy varies with the most common definition is that it sticks out. Right. Yeah. If the labia minora is longer than the labia majora, that's called hypertrophy. That's common to about 50% of women. And they claim that this is excess. And so hypertrophy literally means just too much. Yeah. It means excessive growth. Yeah. But it's absurd to 
you know, apply a term like hypertrophy to, to half 50%. Percent. Yeah, that doesn't statistically that makes no sense. Mm -hmm. um, and then they claim hypertrophy is caused by excess androgens, which are male hormones, basically. So when I read that at 17, I was like, oh, my God, like that is a statement. There's something wrong with you. Yeah, I was also 17 years old when I read that protruding labia minora are considered, quote unquote, unfeminine and embarrassing. Yeah. Um, these quotes, you know, they're found online and in all, also peer-reviewed medical journals and in medical textbooks. They say things like less acceptable or unacceptable or unsatisfactory. You know, it's extremely derogatory. And they say caused by sexual activity and caused by masturbation, they say associated with... Roasties. I mean, yeah, it, that's so... That's it, medical misinformation. It is. Yeah, so it is a myth that the labia minora get bigger with sexual activity. It also appears to be a myth that the labia minora get bigger with age after puberty. Ten normative studies have been done. Not one has found a positive correlation between labia minora size and age. So, you know, at some point, like, the evidence is very clearly showing that there's that, you know, having larger labia minora is not associated with increased age after puberty. So the only way that it's true, I actually had a really funny conversation with ChatGPT. Because I was able to get it to admit that the only way that it could be true is if they're referring to little girls. Like, you know, the only way that it's rejuvenating is if the goal is to make an adult woman look like a child. I mean, and I'm not I'm not trying to, be, to insult women who look, you know, have hidden labia minor as adults. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just saying. Well, you're, say, you're saying that 50% of adult women have hidden labia minora. And well, actually, according to the gyno, it depends. Sorry. <laughs> according to the gyno diversity project, only 27% have, you know, completely hidden. Completely labia hidden. Okay. Um, well, we have another 23% where they're smaller than the majora, 50% where they. Protrude. Yeah. About. about. Okay. But, but what you're saying is a hundred percent of female child uh labia minora are are hidden so i mean i have essentially to give an exact number okay but a lot most basically yeah. you're saying that the rejuvenation just is the only way it's applicable the only way it makes any sense to say that labiaplasty is rejuvenating is to make you look prepubescent yeah you know like for example i was reading a news article uh from 2007 and i shared it on my instagram just to show that you know just to show how long this has been going on and how ignored it is and how badly the media has handled it. Because this article said that surgeons were advertising aggressively. Um, it said that they were promoting these I mean, surgeries. 50%. It's a lot of potential patients. Oh, yeah. And they, they talk about, like, the market for these procedures. Like, yeah. that's the thing. I haven't actually looked at the literature in a while, but... You know, back in, honestly, back in 2012, I read basically all the labiaplasty literature. I read every article published up to that point. And, you know, nowadays I just focus on, you know, getting 
the things change that I can get changed. And honestly, reading that literature was very upsetting to me. So I don't really do that anymore. But um, basically, yeah, they talk about how they talk about the market size and they talk about, you know, oh, it's important to remove stigma because so many women are unhappy and the surgeries will make them happier. You know? <laughs> like they want the definition of hypertrophy to include as many women yeah. as possible. Yeah, also, it's... there was a recent, sorry. It's to their benefit. There was a recent study in the Journal of Sexual Medicine where a plastic surgeon looked at whether there was a correlation between labia minora size and physical complaints about the labia minora, right? Because some women get labiaplasty because they have physical symptoms. Yeah. Um, and he found that there was no correlation between physical symptoms and labia minora size. And he also found that most physical complaints were sexual complaints. So most of these symptoms are, you know, they have to do with the labia minor causing discomfort during sex. And like, okay. let's think about what would cause that besides size. Like lack Dryness. of alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, normally, if you don't find a correlation between two things like well i mean there can still be causation but i mean it's kind of kind of indicates there's probably no causality there or like it's minimal or, i don't know but it's so he concluded that the labia minora can be hypertrophic at any size <laughs> uh wait at any size what do you mean like the that labia minora can be excessive yeah. at any size. And so his argument was that definitions that restrict. Oh, because uh, if you have, you're saying if the, if the woman has sexual complaints, then it can be defined as excessive and then therefore it can be operated on. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. So basically. More customers. We're uh, taking women. Who just for going through puberty or who are having self-esteem issues or arousal sex issues or whatever and operating on them uh, and then operating on them with incomplete knowledge of clitoral anatomy leading to injuries. Yeah, I actually just got a DM from a guy who told me that his ex-girlfriend um, lost sexual function from a labiaplasty. Um, and they broke up because of it, but he also said, I don't trust this guy. You don't, I don't like him. No. Right. Because maybe you should have stayed, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? They brought, they broke up because of it. What does that mean? I think that she, you know, became very depressed and so he broke up with her. Um, I, th I think he said, you know, <laughs> Honestly, whatever he said caused me to let handle, him off. I can't take it anymore. I'm sorry. Whatever. I You're this this clitoral function thing is too much. I'm out. I can't do this anymore. I mean, I think that <laughs> I think it was more than that. I think that um so she already had sexual dysfunction. So the point of my story that I was going to I say. don't like this guy. Okay. But like, you know, CR ever since you had that uh, labiaplasty, you've been acting really insane. I don't think I should have to deal with that. 
Okay, well, sorry. I mean, go ahead. Maybe I'm just I, I, because because uh, you know, Mid never wanted to deal with my shit. So uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I think it's hard. Well, isn't that what all this is about? I think that that's my that's my that's why I started with the Galileo quote. They hate you. Um, You're going to be in the guillotine, scratching, scratching your head, wondering why people are so mad at you. There are a number of reasons why. One is because, you know, I have tried to change medicine without credentials. And if I could go back in time, I would get an MD because, you know, an MD is like armor. You know what I mean? Like I could sit, no. get away. I really think I could get away with a lot more if I had an MD because I could be like, I'm the expert. And then well, people- didn't the Surgeon General say get fired for saying teenage girls should masturbate? Oh, hmm. no, they're they're gonna kill you. Um, hmm. well, I do think that that has made they it more hate difficult. You. Yes, I'm not. Oh, no, I think you're doing good work. I'm not trying. I think I'm, you know, what's weird is that um, every person I talk to usually like I talk to a lot of people who have like a cause. Um, So like I'll talk to someone who's like a turf. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I think that's a good cause. But, you know, I'm mixed feelings about it. Mm -hmm. Rad that kind of rad femme stuff. I like it, but I've I've conflicted about it. Or um, I talk to somebody who is trying to get sex offender, the sex offender registry uh, shut down. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying, but like, you know, it's, I kind of agree what, kind of see why we have one. You're, I think you're the only person I've ever talked to where there really doesn't seem to be a downside to what you're doing. It's, I feel, and, and, and you, you're also one of the most hated. So it's very weird, but I, I feel, I feel full steam ahead and, and support of your, what you're doing thank you i can actually tell you a downside so before i ever went public i said to the american board of OBGYN, i said yeah. if i have to go public about this problem it is going to reduce trust in medicine mm-hmm. and because i'm showing the public how you competent know, systemic negligence i'm giving the public reasons to trust doctors less and that is not good for the patient physician relationship you know but it's an abusive relationship that's fair i mean i think any abusive relationship there's going to be parts of it that are good and and there are downsides to calling it out but the like even if there's a temporary lack of trust in plastic surgeons or gynecologists um, which I, I I agree with you would have probably some disastrous consequences. Ultimately, it seems I think you're fighting for more trust. Yeah. So the key to more trust in medicine is for doctors to be more trustworthy. And yeah. in of the articles about how trust in medicine is declining and there's a need for more trust in medicine, they never talk about the need for doctors to be more trustworthy. They never talk about, you know, building better systems to ensure that doctors are trustworthy, that medical literature is trustworthy. You know, it's, that's not what they discuss. They discuss, oh, 
we need to control like the misinformation getting spread by lay people on social media. What about mm-hmm. the misinformation spread by doctors? You know, they don't talk about that. Right. They're always positioning themselves as the arbiters of truth. Exactly. Um, yeah. And the other thing is, I and mean, the, I, the, the, that thing about you not being a doctor is bullshit. Like that, there needs to be oversight from non-doctors. I think I that's totally that's reasonable. True. Right. Because, um, in general, like people are not objective about whatever field they get their paycheck from. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're they're getting they're getting paid to not know this. They're get, if they like, there's a financial incentive for plastic surgeons to not acknowledge or figure this out. You you've already that's in, that's in the premise of your critique. So it doesn't make sense to say that you should have to be in that financially or ethically compromised group in order to make the the call out. Yeah, I think that in general, I mean, there's a long history of medicine being very slow to change and not wanting to acknowledge anything that may be harming patients. Like it took, I think, mm-hmm. two years between when it was proven that um, prenatal x-rays doubled the risk of childhood cancer to when the first medical organization said, hey, we shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> 22 yeah, years. That's a long time. Because they just, they didn't want to... But this is anatomy. This is much... Oh, yeah. There isn't a trade-off. It's like just not knowing anatomy. Right, right. So I guess, you know, like... So the reason why it's been excluded is because of taboo and lack of perceived medical relevance. So, like, you know, when I pass out flyers in 2018 at the ACOG annual meeting... About a third of doctors said that I was wrong. You know, they said, uh, you're, you don't know what you're talking about. That isn't our textbooks. You know, leave us alone. Um, and they were wrong, of course. And that's just about, you know, how they didn't want to acknowledge that, like, their resources might be inadequate, especially when it's associated with their identity and their status, right? So then about a third did acknowledge that I was correct but said it just wasn't important. They had more serious problems to worry about. And, um, you know, and they said things on the other. So I had clitoral anatomy on one side of my flyers and, you know, something about like help get this taught to OBGYNs. And, you know, I said it was missing from their textbooks and journals. And then on the other side, I said 77% of OBGYNs say that they would prefer that they would offer labioplasty to patients. Why is there no CME for these? So basically labioplasty is CME? not... CME? I'm sorry. CME is continuing medical education. Okay. It's, you know, a way for doctors to learn how to do procedures that they were not trained to do in residency. Okay. And if there's CME for something, then you can, like, m- start making sure that doctors have actually been trained before they get privileges to do the surgery. So um, privileging is how surgeons get permission to do the surgery that they do. Okay. So like, you know, one reason I was harmed is because the surgery center that I went to thought that it made sense to give privileges to do labioplasty to a surgeon who had never been trained to do labioplasty. Because that's... That's bad. Yeah. And that was also something that I tried to change and did not have luck with. 
So, sorry, I forgot where I was going. Okay. Uh, well, do you want me to kind of? Oh, I was talking about passing out flyers because I'm I'm just trying yeah. to explain. Like, so only about a third would say that I was wrong about anatomy. The thing is, once you have okay. someone Dan Gunter say it on Twitter. I think that creates incentive for other doctors to pile on and agree and support her against the non-doctor. Cause I'm like, I'm like the out group kind of, <laughs> you know, I'm not one of them. So, right. um, but yeah, so, and about a third agreed, but they didn't want to help. They were just like, good luck with that. You know? <laughs> um, but with the group who said it just wasn't important, um, you know, when I when I pointed out that, you know, ACOG was approving labiaplasty even on women under 18 and that it was approved for uh, non-cosmetic reasons, you know, they said women just shouldn't be getting those surgeries. Yeah. Um, you know, so they always blame the patient. Everybody always blames the patients. Um. You want to talk about, um, okay, so you, you would, uh, I, my, my sense is that a lot of the taboo about this would be coming from the right. When I think of someone who doesn't want their daughter to learn about their clitoris or who doesn't want their daughter's doctor to know about their clitoris, I think of a conservative. Maybe. So one thing really funny is that we don't teach girls about the clitoris because we think that that will cause them to go be sluts and get pregnant. And, you know, that's the fear, right? But then they don't include the clitoris in medical education because it's not reproductive. Yeah. Like, this this doesn't make sense. Like We don't want them to masturbate. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think I agree. I, th I, I think... But why least, is there a fear of female masturbation? Uh, are you actually asking me this? See, this is what I'm talking about. As you say these things that sound like they're, um, okay, rhetorical, I was they sound like they're rhetorical. Is this a rhetorical question or are you actually, do you actually not understand this? I'm leading you to a conclusion. It's a rhetorical question. Okay. Well, go on. Why? Why, Jessica? Why don't we want girls to masturbate? Well, I, I was just trying to get you to answer the question, but, uh, oh, what, well, I have a lot of, I could talk about that for an hour straight, but, um, I think there's different reasons, but, um, cause we want them to be sexually dependent on men. That's a good answer. I, I think the, the bigger answer is, I mean, there's, there is that, but also that we don't want women yeah, we don't want women to be independently sexual. Yeah. Right? Because it's about... We want them to be sexual on men's terms. Yeah, and only in response to men. So there has yeah. been a lot of taboo around female desire historically. And, um, you know, not too long ago, they thought that women who had excess desire, even for their husbands, you know had a medical problem which they would treat with clitorectomy <laughs> um so yeah there has you know in my opinion a lot of it comes down to sexual double standards and not wanting women to be as sexual as men um which we want them to be sexually available when men want them 
right. to, to, be, to be sexual passengers that are down. Want them to be down when they're needed. But other than that, they should be like inert. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's uh, more I think that's more true of conservatives. Uh I think progressives probably feel that way. But they that's not really a stance they'll take publicly. You know what I mean? I think it's a belief that a lot of them hold, but I don't I don't see progressives on Twitter saying, you know, shaming horny women. However, you are getting attacked for, by progressives for another reason because progressives cannot decide what a woman is or what a vulva is what a what a what is a real clitoris or not because of this trans stuff yeah yeah i've been getting heat from the trans community from- i know and i see I see that same bafflement in your tweets about it you're you 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 seem like you genuinely don't understand why they I mean, I get it. I just. Well, then what's your uh, what are you thinking about that? Well, I I think that. Well, I think one thing that goes on is displacement. I think that the reason they come after me is because they know that my platform is a progressive platform. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, They know that they can hurt me. And so I'm not really transphobic. And the things that I'm saying should not be considered that much of a threat. They're not as much of a threat, say, as, you know, claiming that trans women are not women, which I'm not even saying. I'm just, you know, pointing out anatomy. But, you know, honestly, the more they attack me, the more, you know, the more I'm over, you know, I'm listening to, you know, the witch trials of J.K. Rowling and Mm -hmm. really thinking about all of this. But... You're going to become transphobic out of spite. I mean, <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, but I think it would make sense if I did, even though, no, I think the answer is no, I'm not. But I do see some damage being done to society by trans ideology. And I see, you know, the way that uh, women's speech has been restricted, in my opinion. Um, it's made it harder to talk about women's bodies. You know, like when I first got online and I wanted to talk about how the clitoris wasn't covered. Wait a second. Wait a second. You're telling me that when you get a bunch of angry trans women in your replies demanding that vaginoplasty vulvas be included in your definition of a female vulva, you think of those people tweeting at you as women? Um, you don't have to answer that if you don't want to. So uh, honestly, yeah. So honestly, I, I actually, so previously when I got accused of being transphobic, what I did is I actually reached out to trans women who I thought were reasonable and I got to know them and understand their points of view. And so. How is it reasonable to think that you're a woman if you're a man? I'm coming to this. This is where I'm coming to. You know what? That's, I that's, don't. It, it isn't reason. They can't be reasonable. No trans person can be reasonable. They can be reasonable about, about other topics. But, they, you know, but there, there's no reasonable way to think that you're a woman if you're not. You know, I honestly have 
tried to stay away from this issue and I've only put my foot down where I feel that it has relevance to my particular cause. But I feel, I feel, I feel that it's entirely relevant. It's just a, it's just a new way for men to deny female anatomy. Well, so honestly, so this one, I would call her a friend of mine at this point. She's been really supportive of me and my cause. Yeah. Um, she's a trans woman. She's really nice. She's, you know, one who really looks like a woman. So it nice. actually would be weird to me to think of her as a man because she presents as a woman. Um, yeah, but we're talking about like anatomy books. Like you wouldn't want, would you want a doctor she, think, thinking that she's a woman? So what I think makes sense, okay. which I have said before on Twitter, okay. is that we can define women and I don't want anyone to be offended by this. I'm just throwing out the idea because I think yeah, it, it's I a reasonable compromise. You're always just throwing out your ideas. People <laughs> are going to get mad about whatever you're about to say. Uh, uh, yeah, I know. I'm already <laughs> mad. I don't even know what you're going to say, and I'm already mad at you for saying it. <laughs> like, trans women can be women if women is a social category. Which rather is not. than <laughs> And it's not. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm listening. Uh, I think that it, so my understanding is that throughout history, different societies, you know, have always had, you know, these people who are basically like sort of, you know, in between genders or who's gendered, you know, they don't, yeah. uh, and, you know, one, one thing that I've thought is that, you know, we don't live in a gender neutral society. So say that your body really feels totally misaligned with you know how you feel and how you want to live your life and you just like you can't fit in with all these social norms of you know being your being the gender that's correlated with your biological sex then maybe you'd be more less happy transition okay so and have also, you ever heard, have you ever, to be you ever fair, heard? I just want to say yeah. the the trans woman friend of mine, she said she doesn't think that trans people would exist if there were no gender roles. I think the same thing. Okay. Have you heard, you heard the term honorary Jew? No. Okay. It's when Jews uh have a friend i've been called an honorary jew because my mother's not jewish so some a lot of jewish people don't consider me jewish but they're, they're like yeah you're an honorary jew it's when and they'll, they'll say it to anybody they'll say it to it's a group of jewish people you know they're they're you're in a friend group or a social situation and they invite you along and then at some point someone will get it's like the n-word pass with black at some point they'll say you're an you're basically jew you're an honorary jew and it's uh you know it's a compliment and it's like saying with any group saying oh you can you we're going to let you slide you can be part of our group even though technically you're not i think when you talk about those trans people of the past even the trans people of 20 years ago that's what i think i think of you're an honorary woman you you seem like a woman you act like a woman you feel like a woman you look like a woman so we're going to we're going to let you slide 
Mm-hmm. And we're going to, you can use the woman's restroom. You can be part of girls' night. You can be in the bachelorette party. You're a woman, basically. But mm-hmm. now trans people are saying, it, it would be like if somebody told me I'm an honorary Jew and I, when I went to their event and then I was like, I know I'm actually a Jew. Or if like a black person said like, oh, you're basically one of us. You're my brother from another mother. And then I said, no, I'm, I am black. Yeah, that's, that's what it's like. But I, I literally am. And so I, so when, when it comes to what you're doing, which is anatomy, I really think that they're, I think you got to hold the line. Yeah. They want to be trans women want to get into your anatomy book. They want, they don't want, they don't want you to figure out anything more that makes someone a woman. Yeah. Um, I mean, I offended a lot of people. I even offended cis women because they just misunderstood my tweets. Um, no, they're lying. They're lying. They're and lying. Hate, yes, they're liars. Did you see the porn star who claimed that her vulva looks like the trans cast? Uh, I got no. so much trouble for that because I, I told a porn star that she didn't know what her own vulva looked like. And then... Good for you. And then I DM'd her and I said, can you send me a photo in this exact same position? I can explain it to you. I can explain how you don't look like this cast. And so I, you know. I wish you were a man telling this story. It would just be amazing. But okay. You told well, a woman. I got accused of sexual harassment. Yeah. You asked her for a picture. You told and... her you were going to mansplain her, her vagina to her. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> she. But I mean, she's a porn star, so it's not like I couldn't just go Google a photo of her vulva. I was just trying to save time. As one does. And I found a photo in the position that I was looking for. Um, Unfortunately, she had blocked me at that point. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, I I just thought I could have a reasonable discussion with her about how she was mistaken. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think... You know, a lot of women aren't very aware of what their own vulvas look like and haven't paid close attention. And so I think some of them felt like I was insulting them. You know, um, like Betty also... Dodson? Hmm? You know who Betty Dodson is? Uh, yeah. When she do those workshops, she'd have women look at their vaginas in a hand mirror? Vulvas. Yeah. I'm sorry. Vulvas. Mm-hmm. Vulva doesn't... I like saying vagina. Probably because everybody is raised saying vagina. Yeah. I think it's probably also what men mostly think about. Um, But, you know, one time I surveyed my followers and women are much more aware, at least my followers are much more aware, like from day to day of their external anatomy than internal anatomy. And what's really crazy is that we teach little girls that they have vaginas and little girls typically are not even aware of their vaginas, what they're aware of is what they can see and feel. Yeah. Which is external. That's the vulva. No, no, I know. Okay. Is there a word for the entire penis and testicles? No. So the men don't have an equivalent vulva word. I mean, what it's like is like calling it all the testicles. No, I think it's like calling it all the penis. No, no. Because to me, the ovaries would be the... Right, right, right. But what I'm trying to... Sorry. What I'm trying to illustrate is that when you 
so basically the linguistic phenomenon where you use a part to refer to a whole, it's called, I think, synecdoche. synecdoche. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Generally, if you use a part to refer to a whole, yeah. you are typically referring to the most impo- important part of that whole. So when you make a decision to use the name of a part for the whole, you're saying this is the most important part. This is the thing that matters. And so in my opinion, it's really fucked up that, you know, we all communicate that what matters about a woman's genitals is a birth canal and a cavity for a penis. And we use a word that literally means sheath. Mm -hmm. What does penis mean? I'm actually not sure. I'd have to Google that. I can Google that. I want you to Google that before I can uh, accept this criticism. Right. But, but think about what it means that we don't name the external anatomy. We don't name the anatomy that's responsible for female pleasure and orgasm. So like, think about other things that aren't named. Like what else is it named? I actually asked my followers this the other day, you know, like (laughs) the only answer I got was Voldemort. Yeah. So that's how we're treating the Voldemort. <laughs> um, comes. Uh, sorry, I'm. I know that's okay. Plug? Peg. Peg. Hmm. Okay, that's not too much. Oh no no! All right, I just sorry. I was looking at cock my bad past penis i don't know this website did it i wasn't paying close attention okay it means tail (laughs) okay (laughs) i don't know that's like can you imagine okay the idea the idea of a vagina being a sheath that and and that and then only having purpose for the purpose of a man's penis and, and how others use it that does resonate with me but i also think that if penis means tail that um maybe i don't know i don't think i agree that we need to change how we talk about it i don't know Uh, i vulva just i think we need to name female external genitals i also think that a huge amount of shame around female external genitals comes from the fact that women that girls are taught that they have a hole so i grew up taught that i had a hole right but but you don't and then so then you wanted to get rid of what was not the hole yeah because i didn't know what the fuck else was that was i was like what the fuck like yeah actually i didn't have any insecurities until i read what doctors said however before that i do remember just thinking like I do remember wondering, like, why, what, what is that stuff? Because okay, I, so remember... I feel like that the options then, and I, it's clear what you prefer, would be to teach girls that vagina can refer to the the whole thing or just the actual vagina. I don't think that vagina should be used to refer to anything more than the vagina. And I, I think it's really problematic that it is because it communicates that what matters most is that women have a birth canal and not that women have any capacity for pleasure. I mean, the, the vagina is a cavity. It would be odd to call the whole thing a 
a clitoris. It would, but that's how... The vagina is more important than the clitoris. Oh, no, I just... Well, it, it's more important in that we need it to reproduce. Yeah, we're going to die if we don't have However, it. one time I took a survey of women and I asked them, would they rather lose their clitoris or their vagina? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure a lot of them said vagina. Like 90, vagina causes nothing but problems. Like ninety percent were like, "Fuck yeah. my vagina, I'll I'll keep my clitoris." Thank you. Yeah, very yeah, much. that that makes sense. <laughs> um, so I think I think the problem is that we're mapping the way we talk about men's anatomy onto women. Maybe it can't be analogous because, like the you would never refer to a man's like urethral canal. I think you yeah. ne you're never comparing like the the importance of the frenulum to the shaft. Like you don't. There's no reason to talk about it that way. But it makes sense. Um, calling the vulva a vagina makes about about as much sense as calling the penis a urethra. How about that? And you could mm. argue that the urethra is more important than the penis because, like, that's no, no. But we, but we, okay. But the thing is that men and women, everyone unanimously agrees. See, men are lucky because the primary reproductive organ also has the primary, like, nerve bundle pleasure center on it already. So you don't really need to disambiguate, like, what's more important, the thing that makes sperm or the thing that feels good? Because in men, it's the same thing. And it's where pee comes out. It's really everything. It's a, a pe Penises are just perfect. It's everything you could ever possibly want in a sex organ. It's the Swiss Army knife of the human body. A vulva, a vulvas are all over the place. You've got a vagina. You can't even see the ovaries. You've got a clitoris, which apparently is this much larger, deceptively large structure all over the place. And then you've got a, a urethra, which is also separate. You know what I mean? Like it, it's um, maybe maybe it's maybe it's like sexist to. To want to package it into like one thing, maybe it does need to be referred to as a vulva, as a collection of things, rather than just trying to. Um... I mean, the vulva includes everything external, which is yeah, a lot. and then I mean that's the only word that you need most of the time, <laughs> unless you're talking about penetrating someone, in which case vagina. Yeah. And the vulva is basically what's homologous to the penis. I mean, the labia minora and the clitoris, the labia minora, clitoral hood, and clitoris collectively are. And vagina. No. Yeah. <laughs> that's where that's where your gametes go in and out. Oh, I'm sorry, I said homologous. Oh, 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 I see. Well, no, but a penis is like also like a vagina. Like it's like a tube that leads to your your testicles it's like a, 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 it's and your epididymis is kind of like your fallopian tube or no, maybe it's not you get what i'm saying like it, it's i it's both i think it is i think it's both. Uh, homologous means having the same developmental origins and so like it, oh. it's, it, it also means that like the clitoris and labia minor and clitoral head it has all the same types of like tissue and nerve endings. Okay. Like the histology. And your, 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 your scrotum has the same tissue as the 
labia majora? I don't know much about the skin. I mean, the labia majora are pretty much just like skin. I mean. Yeah. Well, I read that in a sex book when I was in middle school. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the labia. But maybe it was wrong. Maybe you, maybe you need to correct that one too. The labia majora are, are homologous to. They're basically the- balls. Yeah, they're basically balls. <laughs> but they're actually just a bunch of fat. <laughs> All right, look. Uh, I'll start using the word vulva. I'll try it. You've convinced yeah, me. I think it mostly makes people uncomfortable because they're not used to it. Vulva. I also think that some people see it as less appropriate, which is just... Well, I don't mind that. Weird. But yeah, I, I actually do think calling everything vagina makes about as much sense as calling everything the clitoris. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're, I mean, oh, you would. You're very clitoris focused. Um, but I, I'll, okay, I'll try it. Uh, okay, wait, so I, you just called me out for saying vagina. You corrected me, but I was in the middle of saying something else, or we were talking about something else. I think we're talking about trans people. Oh, I think we were talking about how a lot of women are not very aware of what their vulvas look like. And you were asking me. If oh, I- yeah, you were you were you were debating a porn star about her vulva and then she blocked you. Yeah, you're not allowed to tell women what their own vulvas look like. But like she was wrong. So. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, see, I think that's yeah. where you. What? Yeah, I was just talking about how I got hate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, where that's how that's where you get hate from progressives. I think I tended to say whatever is true, and even even when I know, like, okay, nobody's gonna like this, I still do, say. Do you know? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Like, do you do you understand? Like, I know. I'm trying like to. You know, you, like you know, like you've noticed a pattern. Sometimes so you're like, when I type things out, I'm like, I'm gonna get in trouble. But I typically underestimate just how much. You mentioned that you're Asperger's adjacent. Yeah, I mean, I was evaluated for Asperger's when I was uh, 16. And the specialist said I didn't have it. But sometimes, sometimes I can relate, I guess. (laughs) Okay, so I guess what I'm trying to... I mean, I have an engineering background. It's like, goes with the territory. You have a what background? Engineering. You know. Oh yeah, I'm trying to. I'm just trying to figure out if. I also don't think that, you know, a fear of offending people is a reason to not say something that's true. Okay, other people don't feel that way. Do you understand that? Yeah. Like when people say that that trans women are are women or female or something, a lot of them are actually just literally lying. The, the the doctors who are telling you like oh this study isn't this this shouldn't no 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 a lot of them are are actually lying they know they're lying I'm 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 kind of like you I'm very naive and very trusting you really so like, think I, people see because I don't I don't think that I think that people who say trans women are women they genuinely believe it it doesn't make any sense they can't believe it that this is one of the things that's kind of like force me to learn this but i'm i'm like you i'm very trusting and naive no offense i think other people are much more like me than they actually are the guy who was brandishing the torture devices to galileo 
he he knew that the earth revolved around the sun. He was just lying. He's like, well, I guess we're doing this. That's, right. well, that's, that's like 90% of people. Yeah, sometimes people go along with things even though they don't agree with them themselves. Yeah. Um, because they don't, they're afraid. Yeah, uh, they're terrified. Yeah, I think, so this is talked about in The Better Angels of Our Nature by Steven Pinker. It talks about how a minority viewpoint can basically take over a society because... That's what's happening with the trans people. That's what's happening. Because what? Yeah, I think, well, he went It becomes over, its own thing. He went over the process that enables it to happen, which is like, if you end up with the small, the minority group, like united, and then, you know, they, I, I honestly forget, but he described how it can happen in the better angels of our nature. And also actually Jonathan Haidt, uh, talked about how, you know, a lot of the time with, uh, I forget, he talks about how people who disagree won't speak up publicly because they will be afraid. So they will publicly go along with something, but privately disagree. And sometimes, actually, people who privately disagree will publicly go along even stronger like even more harshly because they privately disagree. <laughs> and I think yeah. they, you know, I think people are. Does that resonate with you? You seem mystified by this. I kind of am too, but not as much as you. It's weird seeing somebody who is like more. I think uh, people are very cowardly. Yeah. Um, I am, I'm not. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's really hard for me to go along with things that aren't right or aren't true. So I tend to just stick to my guns, uh, regardless of the consequences. So Adam Grant actually talks about, in Originals, he talks about people who make decisions based on identity, or I would say based on principles rather than on consequences. Um, I tend to make decisions based on principles. So I will, so like, if I believe the truth matters, I will speak the truth, you know, Makes sense. regardless of whether people are going to get mad at me, because I think the truth matters. Yeah. And I could, obviously could be wrong. I could be, you know, like after I said trans women shouldn't be included in a vulgar diversity project, you know, I reflected and I thought, you know what, maybe they should be, but they only if, be. see, I... I can wrap my mind around around including them. Because it's like a prosthetic, putting a prosthetic arm in like a hand diversity project. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, it kind of depends on the goal of the project. And when I looked at the project, I thought the goal was to educate about the range of normal female anatomy so that, you know, women who don't know what vulvas look like can see the range of what vulvas can look like. But that wasn't the goal. Well, actually that is, so I actually <laughs> watched an interview with the artist and she yeah. said that she started doing this work because when she was 18, she had wanted a labiaplasty. And the only difference between her and I is that her parents said no. So, um, 
you know, and then she witnessed this rise in labiaplasty and she wanted to do something about it. And that's, that's the motivation behind her work. So to me, it doesn't make sense to bias the sample by including surgically constructed vulvas, which tend to What fit. also completely flies in the face of what she's talking about. If you're anti-labiaplasty, shouldn't you be anti, like, the most destructive genital surgery possible where you're, you're actually just removing your, like, all of your genitals? Um, what do you think of circumcision? I think that it is fundamentally cosmetic surgery done on infants and that it can't be ethically justified. I don't think that there's sufficient evidence to support doing it for medical reasons. I'm circumcised. And I, I mean, like, uh, I, okay. I also think that the interactivists are primarily like misogynists who just go around trying to, you know, they're using circumcision as a token of male oppression and they're not, they're, they're often not super motivated to actually change anything. Like I've often asked why the anti-circumcision activists don't, don't tend to take the steps that I've taken to try and like, change medical education uh anyway i could be wrong obviously about that but they they tend to jessica you're never wrong i'm i'm often wrong you're never wrong why do you (laughs) think the intactivists don't take the steps that you've taken um well maybe they didn't think to do it also it's more work um and like i said i think some of them are it's like they're honestly i i don't i don't have all the answers i don't want to say anything that i regret later but i i do have a problem with how so many of them show up and ask me why i don't advocate against circumcision like as if they need yet another person in their army that they already have um having a i mean <laughs> having a woman in your army would be good there are some though there are some I have at so uh, one thing I said is that I will advocate against circumcision when I have fifty percent male followers. <laughs> you know, you know. Uh, I I am against it. I don't think that it should be done. I have sent into activists a list of steps to take that they don't take. <laughs> Why did you call them misogynists? Um. Sorry, I said a lot of them are because I think there's a lot of overlap. With Why'd you call them mostly misogynists? A lot of mis- them misogynists. I shouldn't say mostly. I should say a lot. because You of did how- say a lot. I changed it to mostly. I retract my statement. Oh, okay. Why did you say a lot? Because of how much they've harassed me online. How do they harass you? Oh, they act the same as the, tr- the trans activists do. <laughs> It's the same shit, you know. It's because they are. It's because they are the same, Jessica. That's why they act like that. I mean, um, I think entitled. A lot of entitlement. You know, I think that probably there are, you know, some cases of circumcision that get seriously botched, and that men who have been harmed by circumcision really struggle. I. You know, I, I definitely sympathize with that. However, 
Yeah, sometimes I get frustrated, like when they call it male genital mutilation, and I see them show up and like I see them like tweeting at victims of actual female genital mutilation, saying that they should stand up for men. And one thing that I do is I ask them if they ever ask men to advocate against circumcision. Like, why not ask men with big platforms? Like, why do they come to us? You know what I mean? It's like it's like they think we're the their moms or something. <laughs> I don't really get it. <laughs> anyway, I can, I, I can, I, can I, have, I think I might be able to help explain that. Okay, what do you think? I think that women have a kind of license to play a victim role that some men, or maybe all men, are jealous of, and. There's a lot of times when women aren't taken seriously, obviously. There's sometimes when they're taken more seriously. And I think circumcision is so normalized and so often dismissed uh, when people have concerns about it that I think they're, they want a little bit of what you've got. They want the ability to say, what happened to me was wrong. Nobody cares. Nobody's listening to me. And when you say it, you sound empowered. Empowered. If I say the word empowered, you think of a woman. Men don't get to be empowered. They're just they're just whining when they do it. I think they they want you to lend that empowerment to to their thing. I think that's why they're doing it. Um well, I think Maybe the reason why we talk about female empowerment is because women have been so disempowered and the implication is that men already have power. I think that's probably why. Men have power broadly, but there's some areas where they don't, where they have less, I think. I think this is one. I just Honestly, I, just think- I see very few men even try. Like, if, like a man harmed by circumcision could stand up the way that I have. And I would say any man who doesn't is simply cowardly. And I think there is less taboo around men standing up for their sexual function and their genitals. I think it is think, more taboo. Do you think that, that women I, who don't stand up about their clitoral damage are cowardly? You know, I'm going to get in trouble. Like, I'm, I mean, I, I cannot say that without getting hate. So, yes. I wish that more women would stop being cowards. Brave pussies. Enough. How about this? Call them pussies. So it's all relative. It's all relative. Standing I'm just up. saying it. You were you felt very free to say men are cowards when they don't stand up about their thing. And when I ask you to say the same thing about women, you're 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 being very careful. Let me let me tell you why. But there's a did. Um, do you see the dismissiveness that you are willing to? Let me tell you why. I know why. No, you don't. I, no, yes, you, I do. Let No, I promise you, you don't. I promise you, I do. If I personally knew of men who were impacted by circumcision the way that I have been impacted, then I would more readily empathize with that position. If, do you see what I'm saying? 
I don't know of a single man who has been harmed like I was or like these other women have been. Yeah. Also, but it, but it's like it's a lot of men who are who are being harmed, just not as much. There's a lot of them, uh, and it's totally normalized. Right. So, so you being harmed is defined as a mistake. When men get circumcised, it's it's t- defined as like a good thing. Right. So, like I said, I think that circumcision is wrong because it is cosmetic surgery on infants. It is not consented. Um. You know. Yeah. I it's agree with unnecessary, you. and it exposes infants to unnecessary risks that they did not consent to. So it's sort of like having a forced labiaplasty as an infant. Yeah, if women were getting forced labiaplasties as infants, and you complained about it on Twitter, I think people would take you more seriously than they take. Well, contrary to everything that you just said, I I think at the conference when you're handing out flyers, bad time to be a woman. I think when you're arguing with medical professionals, even other women, bad time to be a woman. On social media, talking about how your genitals were harmed by a doctor, I think that's a good time to be a woman. Better better than being a man. I don't think so at all. I think there is... No, no, no. Can I, I just want to explain. Yeah. So it's really, really hard to be a public victim. It's really, really hard. It's really, really hard to be publicly like, you know what? I'm damaged, right? Because it means that I am broken and inadequate in some way. That's horrible. I hate what what comes up when people Google my name. It's like, oh, her vagina was damaged. You know, people say there was one article that said, I have no feeling down there. Like I'm 36 years old. I'm trying to date. How do you think that makes me feel? You know, how does it make you feel? Well, I try to ignore it. But it takes a certain amount of toughness that people need to have. So um, I don't think that that is easier for me because I'm a woman. I think that it is much more difficult for women to assert that our pleasure matters because society in general, you know, takes it for granted. I actually, uh, what I went through was dealing with countless people telling me that what happened to me was no big deal. You know, I was told I was making mountains out of molehills. I was asked why I was so obsessed with sex. I was basically slut shamed for wanting to stand up for myself. If this had happened to my brother, I have no doubt in my mind, my parents would have supported him in seeking justice, right? Nobody thought. Have they not supported you? Well, now they do. But before? They they just wanted it to go away, right? My psychiatrist told me that I wasn't dealing with it well enough because I hadn't gotten over a previous trauma, right? Would he would he have said that to a man? No fucking way. Um, a psychologist told me that I was normal. She was like, "Don't worry, a lot of women have trouble with orgasming. It's you know, this is just normal." Um, there there was the way I was treated was this as if what happened to me didn't matter. And that's how, and then when I looked into medical literature, that's exactly how medical literature treats it, right? So I read that women can resume normal sexual function after radical vulvectomy. I read that sexual function seems satisfactory after severing the dorsal nerves of the clitoris on purpose in infants, right? So that's like severing 
all the sensation in your penis, just cutting off the nerve supply. And they were doing that. I, the way that I felt when I first started trying to speak up about this in 2012, right? I, I talked to some medical students in 2012 and I, you know, I explained how vulvar anatomy wasn't adequately covered in their textbooks and they agreed. And then they said, and then they made the conversation about sex. And I felt like, you know, that was normal for men to do and okay for men to do. It was okay for men to talk about sex, but for me to talk about sex made me seem like a pervert. And so I felt ashamed. I felt like I couldn't talk about the vulva or clitoris without people thinking that I was a slut. And that's something that men don't have to deal with. So I would say it's not easier. And there's this whole other layer to it. Where it's like, we don't even get to have legitimacy standing up for this because it's not supposed to matter. And we kind of have to, you know, like I, I have had to not give a fuck if people think I'm a slut or not. Right. Circumcised men or can still orgasm pretty easily. I have been with a lot of men and I've never encountered a guy who has sexual dysfunction caused by circumcision. And I think that, you know, I don't think any guy that I've, been with would would ever dare to compare you know his result to mine <laughs> I, mean, I mean um yeah it's, i i do but at the same time circumcision is so common even if really bad cases are rare yeah, that's still a lot of men and also, the sample of men that I would be sleeping with would be biased, you know, against men who struggle. You know, like, my guess is, you know, like a lot of women who have been harmed by labiaplasty, they just never have sex again. Yeah. You know, so how? So I wonder, like, how many men are out there suffering and they're not having sex because, because of it? You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, but I don't, I mean, but I mean, I think, you know, your, your average circumcised guy has totally functioning penis. You know what I mean? So sometimes I get frustrated with the anti-circumcision activists. I'm like, come back to me when you can't feel a blowjob and tell them shut the fuck up. Like I, just because they get a little too dramatic, I think. And I actually think that the hyperbole in their activism undermines the cause because i think and yours and mine so how do you think i'm exaggerating i think their hyperbole undermines yours undermines uh, your cause undermines your cause uh i don't if think you, i don't if think you if you just sound like another to somebody who thinks that they are using hyperbole another if if you sound like somebody who's basically talking about the same thing when you're 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 not you're talking about a greater loss of function much greater loss of function oh yeah i don't know if people associate me with the anti-circumcision activists i've, no, I've never gotten that impression well even if it's not active actually undermining yours maybe it f feels like it no sometimes maybe like uh, my personal feelings yeah, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. Get hurt, like because it's like, it's 
like when rape victims see somebody falsely accusing somebody of rape it like it, they seem to react really badly to that yeah i mean there's it can feel minimizing to what yeah. i have been through and dealt with yeah um but i don't you know i i don't you know i i wish them the best of luck i don't think it should be done you know i'm just you just don't want to get hate from them because you're not focusing on, on on their cause instead of your own. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that seems fair. Yeah. Also, you know, I, I tried to give them, I've tried to give some of them advice. Um, yeah. You said you gave them a list of a to-do list. Yeah. Like I actually, like one person I remember sending that to, I sent it to that the woman girl writes what i said this is what needs to be done you know and i just thought like woman to woman she might listen to me (laughs) but i don't think she's interested in actually improving anything for men i think she i could be wrong probably i said you were never wrong but this time you might be wrong okay do you know who i'm talking about i think that she no what's her what's her name let me check out her twitter let's shit talk her what i think she's girl writes what i I think she's appealing to the the frustration that men feel like you know because i think you know advocate for men boys in a healthy society canada pronouns girl writes what self Uh. okay i don't know i thought she would be receptive to my list. That's that's my point. <laughs> and what did she say? She didn't respond, which is weird because she had previously engaged with me on other things. Like she'll argue with me, but she won't. Like when I was trying to offer something constructive, she didn't want to say anything. So it was it was just weird. It was just to me. It, it gets used as like a token of oppression. By... She, was ba- she was banned for calling a male feminist retarded. Okay. Uh, wait, uh, I'm sorry. What's used as a token of oppression? Sometimes uh, circumcision is used as a token of oppression. To be fair, uh, sometimes the omission of the clitoris is used as a token in that same way. Like, there will be articles that come out that will say the clitoris wasn't covered until 1998, which is complete bullshit. And the only purpose of those articles is to be like, look how oppressed women are. It's not to improve things for women. It's not how do we, it's not like, hey, let's make this better. It's, it's look how bad we've had it. It doesn't. Yeah, I, 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 I know you're very like results oriented, but I think that. Especially for men, 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 the oppression of men is not talked about often. People don't have a lot of patience for even thinking about that. I don't know that you have a lot of patience for thinking or talking about it. And so once you get a, a hold of something tangible, so much oppression is unspoken now. I think that some, I mean, I actually have gone into trouble for defending men. People complain about it. <laughs> Like, it's really funny how defending men can be a crime sometimes on Twitter. Yeah. Like, she the, defends men. 
<laughs> yeah, just saying that it makes you look bad. So just I just think the oppression of men in particular is very insidious. So I think when men latch onto something that's like real and tangible, like circumcision, and I think even the oppression of women now is is increasingly insidious. You found an area where it's not like it's you you're you're doing advocacy in an area where it's really pretty blatant. It well, seems like. Well, yes and no, because I would say that the way that we call vulvas vaginas is an insidious form of female oppression. Yeah, that's insidious. Um, and I'm glad I don't do that anymore because I don't want to be <laughs> I don't want to be sexist. But um, the saying like we're not going to include this in our anatomy textbook and I can't even really explain why that's not that's not insidious to me. That's really blatant. But I just think that people will latch on to anything that they because we're 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 just so adept at pretending that sexism uh both ways racism whatever all bigotry doesn't exist because we've learned this corporate politically correct language that pushes everything under the surface so i think that people will really latch on to anything that they can tangibly prove is happening I think everyone just feels really gaslit. Like they're, everyone's told that their oppression isn't real or, or that the people's hatred of them isn't real all the time. Hmm. Including by the people who want to acknowledge it the most. We progressives want to acknowledge racism and sexism, but at the same time we adopt a way of speaking that makes it impossible to tell when we're being racist or sexist. Wait, what do you mean? I mean, you could take a progressive who's just as every bit as sexist, who hates women just as misogynistic as a conservative. Uh, but the conservative who hates women or hates women, um, you can tell you can tell they hate women by listening to them talk for two seconds. A progressive, a misogynistic progressive, is much harder to spot because they've been they've like received media training basically. Like we know we know what words to use. We know what phrases to use, what phrases to avoid. Mm -hmm. And so in the effort to eradicate sexism, we've also accidentally eradicated talking about sexism in any tangible, like meaningful way. And I think that given all that, it makes sense that people oh, la latch on to the smallest. Taught, like, oh, you have to speak this way. You have to say this. So then people. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. You're, so you're teaching people to not be racist, but you're also teaching them to conceal the fact that they are racist at the same time. Right. So then people are not expressing their genuine opinions. Right. And so then so then you just have this feeling that like uh, we start talking about microaggressions. We're like. No, I feel like you're being sexist, but I can't point to any individual thing. And then everybody's like, "Well, where's the thing? Where's where's the sexist thing? What did you say? What did you do?" I number. I think there 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 are growing numbers of men who are openly sexist. Yeah. On like um, Andrew Tate. So they're like I. Anyway, one way that I got attacked that I guess people didn't really notice um, is I tweeted at a bunch of people and. What I did was really misunderstood because I actually tweeted at like my mutuals I, or I tweeted at people like mutual followers and people that I follow and respect. Yeah. I tweeted at them and I said, why do you follow a man who thinks that women should have no role in the administration of society and who said that an OnlyFans girl deserved to get murdered for being a slut? Why do you Wait, follow that guy? Andrew Tate? 
No, it's this guy. I don't even know if I want to say his name because I don't oh. want to go follow him. Because my position is that follows are endorsements, even though everybody says follows aren't endorsements, but functionally. Who? Who says follows aren't endorsements? No. Who's the man? Oh, it's this Lovecraft dude on Twitter. I don't even know his real name. So that's the other thing is these these guys are cowards. What's what's his at? Uh, I'm not gonna follow him. I'm just looking. Honestly, I forget what what it is. It's like zero. He's just zero HP Lovecraft. But he's just a, you know. Oh, his ad is like OX49. If it's a bunch of numbers. He is openly sexist, openly racist. So I tweeted, I said, why do you guys follow this person? You know, and so then I got a ton of hate and I got retweeted by a guy who said, this is exactly why women shouldn't have a role in the administration of society. Yeah. And then, and so there was a pile on and my account got suspended. Because the way that Twitter works is... At least I will reliably get suspended every time people start coming at me. Yeah. So, like, I just know they will dig up something. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, I deleted all my tweets a few weeks ago for this reason. Really? Yeah. I was getting, I, probably, I started getting suspended, like, sure. like once a week. And then I was like, I just have to delete all my tweets. Oh, wow. Uh yeah, I guess I would do that if I could just figure out how to save all my tweets somewhere. I just need to be able to download all my tweets. Oh, you can download all your tweets. Oh, okay. Yeah, I need to figure out how to do that. And then maybe I think I you can do that inside Twitter. I think there's a way to just download all your data. And they okay. send you an email with a link like a 24 hours later, I think. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, maybe I should. Well, it's just hard because I kind of like having... There's some tweets that I am proud of. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's good. Yeah, maybe I should just. I wish I could delete all but a few that I select. You, you know can, I... you can. There's a site where you. There's a couple sites where you can do that. Oh, okay. Huh. Then yeah. I should do that. Or like, if I could just write a thing that says "delete all tweets that have less than." Yeah, you can do that. One hundred likes. Yeah, you can do that. Fifty likes. You know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I should um, do that. Do you want to take some questions? Yeah, but I just want to say, so I got suspended by saying that I looked like I was going to, quote unquote, kill all men, like hashtag kill all men in a photo where I just looked very, very angry. Yeah. And this was in response to a follower saying, that's the why can't you fucking find it face. And it's like, I just thought it was funny. Like, I just look really angry. <laughs> yeah, but people are literally are gunning, a joke on my own. gunning for you. <laughs> Yeah, but they were gunning for me, so they got me. <laughs> Somebody said in the audience, once again, Asperger's is a dated and problematic term. Better to use right. the term ASD, maybe ASD1, as the autism community does not recognize Asperger's anymore, and it can be somewhat offensive. Right, okay. I don't know. I, I don't know that I'm really autistic. I just know that, you know, it's been... I think I have like shared traits at least. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is there any place we can go to financially support her cause? You have a Patreon or anything hey. like that? No, I don't. So I did just apply for a nonprofit. So hopefully, you know, soon I'll have that set up. Why don't you make a Patreon? 
I guess I should. I don't know anything about them. <laughs> well, it's a website where you I, say what uh, the work you're doing. And if people care about you and the work you're doing, they will sign up to donate monthly to you. Okay. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll do that. Okay. Well, let me know <laughs> if you do and I'll, I'll retweet your announcement of it. If it okay. If it's helpful. Yeah. I know that's what Jordan Peterson uses, right? It's, I don't know. I use it, but yeah, it's, it's just a way for people to individually directly support your, at your work or your advocacy. I think that I feel like you would be popular there. I think yeah. I guess historically I felt uncomfortable taking money from people because I felt like my first supporters and most like the people who supported me more, most readily, it seemed like were younger people and people without a lot of resources. And for some, I just you feel uh, guilty. Sorry, you feel guilty. I did, yeah. Though I guess these days I'm kind of I'm at the point where I'm like, what am I going to do for my future, and how am I going to make money? Like, yeah. So, like now, like my future is kind of. I'm a little worried. My parents are a little worried. My mom thinks I'm going to be homeless, you know. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> but historically, you know, I've been privileged. You know, like I started out with money. You know, like I I played life on cheat mode. So like, I'm just being honest. So, so that's why kind of I felt the way I did. And yeah, moving forward, I'm going to start a nonprofit. I would prefer money from rich people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I wish there was like a thing where, yeah, where you could only accept where I could say I only want money from people who have like this much money or more, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, I know what you mean. I, uh, uh, but like on Patreon, you can set it so that people have an option to donate like $2 a month or $5 a month or something. Yeah, you know? just, that it's really small. Yeah, I had a petition and I think my petition raised like $5,000. And that was a little frustrating because I was like, this is this is just going to like, what do you call it? Change.org. And it didn't even work. So yeah, <laughs> like I could have, I could have made that $5,000 count. I know. But early, early on in the conversation, you said that you are, you're like looking at not being able to do this advocacy as much because you're not getting paid for it. But I think you could get paid for it. I think uh, you should. I think you should be paid for it. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. The main reason I, well, <laughs> yeah. The main reason I'm looking to move on is because, yeah, I can't really, but yeah, I can't really afford to keep doing it. We'll just try, I would just try setting up a Patreon (laughs) and then see if, see if people want to support what you're doing, even if they just want to support what you've already done. I I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I'll do that. Uh, Her Twitter handle is Mediclit. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Is the G spot real? I've heard it's basically just stimulating the clit from behind. Uh, yeah, so the vagina is on the floor. I dropped it. But uh, <laughs> this has like a little, it has an attachment. But yeah, so that's unclear. And this is what I got in trouble for trying to explain. Right? So like I've been accused of being a necrophiliac. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you probably know about that. Uh, yeah, 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 I saw that. Trying to answer this exact question. Uh, so I, so basically with our first clitoris, we like dissected out the clitoris 
And then I was actually able to like reach through the vagina to the clitoris. So it does seem like you can kind of stimulate it from inside, but also, you know, there, there's the skein's glands. And so people have said, so the skein's glands are the female prostate. And so, you know, like there's this urologist, Ashley Winter, who I think, you know, she, she really knows what she's talking about. She made a whole Twitter thread on the G spot and she said, it's the female prostate. Um, and so, you know, I think probably both the internal clitoris and the female prostate make penetration pleasurable, but all the confusion around the G spot is a bit ridiculous. Is women squirting actually a thing? Isn't it just pee? <laughs> I think it's a thing. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that it's pee. Um, TMI. Like I thought it was pee, and then I, you know, and so then I was like, "This is not pee." Like I tested it. I mean, just kidding. <laughs> Uh, you're really willing you're willing to do I, a lot for your science but when you say <laughs> tested it you don't mean you actually took took the fluid to a lab no no but i swear it's i really and like I'm, you're saying it doesn't feel like peeing i just i really don't think that it's pee but you don't know um you don't think the fluid is pee, or you don't think the act of squirting is the same as peeing? I don't think the fluid is pee. It may have a little um, urine pee in, in it. it. Well, I'm sure. But it's, it definitely has other stuff. And it's, you know, I would say a lot more watered down than pee. Doesn't, you know, it doesn't resemble pee. <laughs> this isn't very scientific. I mean, when I usually I, when we I mean, your last compare this to the answer to your the last question you got, you, you, you seemed like an expert on that. This it feels like you. It's not scientific because they haven't done proper research, and I haven't, you know, been able to do the research on this. So. Okay, if people if people start donating to you, are you going to research this? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll figure out a smarter way to research this. Sure. It is funny because you could just put a cap- <laughs> smarter than just using yourself. That's it's probably more expensive to to actually research it. You need funding. Yeah, I mean, you just have women squirt with a catheter in and then test the what comes out. Or I mean, yeah, okay. I don't think that's been done. Maybe it has. I, I don't know. I haven't followed this close, closely. It's been a while, but I do know that I researched this heavily before I was able to do so myself. And I believed that it was P. So I believed it was P until I did it. And then you, and okay. I was like, this is not. So it's not like, so I had a preconceived idea of what it was. Yeah. And the first time it happened, I was like, oh no, I peed. And then I'm like, that's not like the first time I was like really embarrassed and then and then you know and then I like so I I don't think that I am in denial (laughs) anyways I made a TikTok and 
it was funny <laughs> how what i just thought it was funny that that was like the next step i made a tiktok about squirting yeah so yeah. uh as one does when your platform is all about vulvas yes um <laughs> so i just remember one woman said that it tasted like coconut water i think that was a very popular comment so <laughs> okay so there's more science to be done <laughs> yeah yeah i think for sure oh also it has uh prostate specific antigen in it so it definitely has squirt it it definitely does contain fluid from the female prostate. Okay. We yeah, we just got the question, what is squirt? Right, right. Uh someone said Max is a firm believer that it is P. I um in my personal experience, I, I similarly had the same feeling of like, I don't think that's P. Um, in my own observations, but I I don't know. They did labs on this and it was a hundred percent P I see. I wouldn't be surprised if it were P, but it were the, but the, um, mechanics of it coming out. It has shown it was 100% P. I think that they've shown that it has some P in it, which I don't think is surprising considering it's coming out of a urethra. Yeah. Uh, I am not going to ask that question. Uh, hold on. Um, uh, is it gay to suck a huge clit? It was part of the question. That's not even the whole thing, but I'm not going to ask that. Um, it's up for you to decide if you're gay. Uh, okay. Wondering how Jessica thinks we could teach better sex ed in schools, i.e. more useful, mechanically fluent. It seems like an absolute minefield. How to teach better sex ed in schools? You mean how to overcome political barriers to that or cultural barriers or? Um, I think what they're asking is schools seem to focus on STIs and pregnancies and uh, preventing things from going wrong in sex. And that kind of normal procreation focused sex is male focused the default sex that that teenage you know kids are going to have is probably also pretty male focused i think what they're asking is would you prescribe a more pleasure oriented clitoris inclusive curriculum yes. for for kids yeah, and I, I actually think that teaching about female pleasure, it, it's not, it, I don't think that it will raise the risk of unwanted pregnancies. I think it will actually have the reverse effect. Yeah. Uh, when you look at research, women who are sexually assertive about what they want in bed, they, they also more often advocate for condoms to be used. They just and, feel more comfortable to say calling shots, which is yeah, and they also yeah. have more like sexual refusal assertiveness and are less likely to be victims of sexual coercion and assault. Right, because if the, if your only source of sexual pleasure is saying yes to men, then you're much more likely to say yes to things or be passive about things than you that you probably shouldn't. Yeah. Also, I think that. Um, 
So like for me, the way that I learned about sex was penis and vagina. And I just assumed that there was something magical of my vagina that only a penis could stimulate. And so I- That's what they want you to think. (laughs) So I undervalued the stimulation I was getting. Like I was having fun, like dry humping and, you know, just like rubbing and cuddling is- but I assumed that like the real like main event was right was magically up my vagina and could only be stimulated with a penis. So having intercourse for the first time was a giant letdown. Um, I just figured my boyfriend was un- incompetent and broke up with him. But uh <laughs> It's not really great for men either that this is taught. In my, no. I mean, that's one take because then it's like. Uh, Your penis wasn't magical enough. Yeah. Because yeah. then how is it good for men if if penetration is some inevitable letdown? Like, that's not really a good setup for, you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I don't know if that makes sense, but I think that teaching about how female pleasure works actually could make it so that girls wait longer to have intercourse because i think you know conservative people that's what conservative people are worried about they're worried about girls getting pregnant how do teachers i i i think this is a good question but like i i Jessica's answer to this is just going to be hilarious. Like that, I, I feel, I feel like you, you, Jessica, you've, you've shown that you. I don't either. And I don't think either of us really possesses the sensitivity to other people's triggers to successfully navigate a question like this. But I'm going to ask it anyway because, you know, just to see what happens. How do teachers go about teaching young people to enjoy sex without that coming off as grooming in this climate? Um, I think that you can just teach that, you know, you can just teach what orgasm is objectively, teach, you know, how anatomy works objectively. Are we going to teach young girls how to masturbate? Uh... I don't actually, I mean, depends on what you mean by young. I think that... Younger than, okay, high school age. I I think that it's really important for girls to understand their bodies and how their pleasure works before they start having sex. So I think that it would be useful to provide them with that education. You don't have to convince me. Around the same time that... Okay, so is that a yes? Is that will will technique masturbation technique be included in sex education for teenagers? So I don't think. So I think no. I I, I don't think there's a need for that. I, I think that just explaining the anatomy and saying like it's okay, it's normal, but like I think maybe it. They don't need to take the extra step of instruction. Instructions. No, I think. Okay. So would we give teenagers instructions on how to obtain instructions? Like if you. Okay. Mm. 
I guess it's tricky because because they're going to just look at porn. They're going to get it from porn. They're going to get. They're going to see that porn star who blocked you, rubbing her clit like with, no, her, with her super was, long acrylic nails, going ah ooh, and like that's where they're going to learn how to masturbate. Is that really what we want? So it would be useful to know at what age uh, most kids are getting exposed to porn and are learning from porn. Eleven is the average first age of exposure to porn. Really? Yes. No. Yeah. I didn't. I was not exposed to porn until I was twenty-one. I find that hard to believe. <laughs> That's because. Well, I don't know. You got you got a labiaplasty before you watched porn for the first time. Yeah, I don't think I. I never would that's have. Gotten, you, that's not you. That's not normal. I never would have gotten a labiaplasty if I had seen porn. Personally, I think people who blame labiaplasty on porn are not actually watching porn. A lot of yeah, a lot of porn has. I see big labia every time. I, I'm not. I mean, whenever I watch porn, I am surprised at the meats, you know. Yeah. And I just think people are on crack. They just want to blame an easy villain, a convenient. Yeah which is porn you know yeah. nobody wants to defend the porn industry here you know what i mean <laughs> yeah okay so if the answer let, let's just can you just uh for the hypothetical purpose of this conversation will you if the answer were 11 at the average age of first exposure to porn you know i think if that's really accurate then uh it might make mm, to me, there's a few different levels. We could actually show them a video of a woman masturbating. That's the most extreme thing. You know, I think that. And then and definitely, I don't think that makes sense. Oh, that's fine. Okay, let me, let me just go, let me just go down, and then you tell me when I hit the level that you think is okay. So, but, but I also want to clarify that I think that oh. right now we have really terrible sex ed. Yeah. And that the objective should be to be strategic. And to not ask for too much, because if you ask okay. for too much, no, 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 no. Oh, I'm, I just want to know the ideal. I'm not. I fuck the ideal in my fuck opinion. Them. Right? Fuck them. Fuck them all. Fuck these fuck assholes. The fuck okay. them. I want so to know the ideal. You're saying fuck what everybody thinks, and that yeah, we're not. If, we, if you were, if you were the queen, and you could make sex ed whatever you want, tell me what you think is the best balance between being inappropriate and weird with teenagers and educating them properly. Cause sex ed is weird. It's weird to have somebody talking to like your kid about sex, but it's also weird not to. So from top to bottom, actually, I, I still don't think you need to teach technique because I think that's fine. Just let, let me, out. let me, let me, let me just walk through. You tell me which, what you think is appropriate. You don't, you don't want to do this. Oh yeah. Okay. I'll, yeah, okay. I'll do it. Showing them a video of somebody masturbating with excellent technique. You're saying no. no. Okay. A cartoon. No. Uh, illustrations. Mm, I mean, I... Well, oh. An illustrated booklet explaining how to get your rocks off. For boys... How boys and girls get their rocks off. Uh, uh, maybe. I, I mean... A guided know. tour with Henry the Caterpillar. It's a big caterpillar with huge handlebar mustache. And uh, he's got a pointer and he's kind of on every page pointing at things and talking about them. 
or, you know, it doesn't have to be the caterpillar thing, whatever you want. I'm just saying illustrated instructions on how to masturbate. I think, you know, that might be okay. Uh, just, You're you the know. queen. You decide if it's okay. Well, I, I do tend to think that kids figure out on their own how to masturbate. Like it's just boys do natural thing that people figure out how to do. Like, okay. So they don't need, well, so all that needs to happen wait. Is that, so like, I know for me, I got a bunch oh, of, neck- I don't agree with you. Hmm? I don't what agree you? with you. Okay. What do you not agree with? Part of masturbating is being okay with the fact that you're masturbating. Right. That's an, actually a really important part of masturbating. So even if even if women, girls, do figure out how to make themselves orgasm, they feel bad about it and confused about it. So like this is the thing. So you you're really focused on like surgeons knowing clitoral anatomy, and I think that's really important. But the thing that resonates a lot with me about your cause is the feeling of normalization versus alien alienation that one feels when you when you know you have a clit and you know it's like an important part of your life and you know that you have like a relationship with it and then it's just not talked about and like what that does to to girls it's awful it's not everything external is not talked about also i yeah long story but i was sent to this crazy program when i was 15 where they told us that masturbating was acting out a sex addiction and they would publicly shame girls for masturbating in front of 40 other girls if they were caught masturbating. Okay. So I'm sure that didn't impede with your or anybody's mechanical ability to masturbate. But I think that there is something that you gain from... It kept from masturbating because I didn't want to be bad. Well, I, I assume so it I didn't. I think I would have known my body a lot better if I hadn't been taught that it was something bad that I wasn't supposed to do. Yeah. So I think that giving, I think that even if kids don't need instruction, there is a permission associated. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know that you need to give instruction in order to give people permission. Uh, Okay. So I'm asking, you're the queen. Okay. I feel like you, if you're the queen, I don't understand what, if you're the queen, you said that illustrations might be okay. And I said, it's up to you if you're okay. And now you're acting like I'm, you're acting like you're going to cut my head off. Like I did it. You're the queen. You're the fucking queen. If you don't want to have the illustrated book that we don't have to. What do you think is, what do you think is ideal? I think that kids need to just be told that, you know, those organs give them pleasure and that's okay. And that it's perfectly healthy for them to explore that. That's pretty close to what we're told now, I think. I think that's what I was told in high school. Well, good for you. I definitely wasn't. <laughs> okay. So this is what these organs do. Uh, masturbation is normal and healthy. Yeah. Good, lo- would, good luck. I, it would have changed my life. Maybe I wouldn't have gotten surgery because I would have understood better. Okay. Maybe I wouldn't have be- believed doctors when they said that my labia minora played no role in sexual function. Maybe that would have seemed a little sus. <laughs> I mean, it was our, it was suspicious to me, but I, you know, I, I didn't have, I just let authority trump my own perception. And I think, yeah. I think that my lack of sexual experience did partly contribute. Yeah. I think I want those cartoons. If I were queen, they would get those 
Henry the Caterpillar would be teaching everybody. Okay. One more question. <laughs> uh, imagine not knowing how to masturbate. I think most women just start out like humping something random. Yeah. <laughs> I think so too. Okay, here's here, here I found one. Can media play a role in normalizing typical vulvas without yep. fetishizing it to society in the opposite direction? Would that be a good thing if it did? Without I mean, there are all types of vulvas. Uh, traditionally, we have only seen one type represented in medical illustration and in art. Um, and it would be better to see more. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not really sure what they're asking. I think they're saying when you raise awareness about something like this, by giving more representation to different vulva shapes. You're also fetishizing. I mean, they're pussies. Like, I feel like fetishizing a vulva. What does pussy mean? Does it mean vagina or vulva? I don't know. It's like a vague catch-all term, I think. <laughs> which would mean which would make it mean vulva? It means everything. I think it yeah. means vagina. It means I mean, okay. It could be, it's inter, it's uh, interchangeable. Okay. Um, I don't know. If fetishizing like genitals seems like a good thing, I guess. What we want people, like there's, there's, a, there's no like societal downside to people being like aroused by each other's genitals. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't see the negative connotation. I I think a lot of women who have larger labia minora feel uncomfortable with, you know, labia minora fetishes. But I think that this is because of, in my opinion, cultural expression of female sexuality that makes women, I think some women almost perceive any kind of sexual objectification or sexualization as a threat. So any kind of attraction that is expressed that doesn't have like, emotion attached to it or relationship attached to it is offensive to them almost yeah. like and there are many examples of this like some women get offended by the idea that a stranger might see them and want to fuck them without knowing them which i guess you have to be a slut to not understand but like <laughs> i mean uh but yeah i, I don't i don't really see I don't know what to say to that. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> someone in the audience said, Mr. Girl was just talking about teaching 11 year olds to flick the bean. I think I said high school. Specifically. Yeah, high school. That seems appropriate. Uh, well, I think we're done unless you have anything else that you want to add or any questions for me or anything. Nope, can't think of anything. Okay. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on to my podcast. Okay, thank you. And uh, 
yeah, let me know if you get the Patreon or any other kind of uh, donation thing set up, and I will, I will, if you announce it, I'll, I will happily retweet it. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming, and thanks for doing this work. Okay. Thank you.